Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi. Welcome to Books and Rhymes, the podcast that makes you fall in love with reading while flipping the script with a musical twist on your favourite books. I invite guests to pair a book with a song or an album that sparks the same emotional connection. I am your host, Sarah, a West African in the diaspora with a deep abiding love for the written word. Join me on a musical journey through the works of new and classic authors. Thank you for your patience with this week's episode. I would like to express my sincere gratitude to each and every one of you who came out in full force to the live episode recording of Books and Rhymes, the podcast for the launch of Sarah Ladipur Mayinka's novel, Independence, which took place at Falls Bookshop in Charing Cross, London. Also, thank you so much to everyone who came out to the recorded discussion of Panasha Chukumatsi's essay titled, Why I'm No Longer Talking to Nigerians About Race. The recordings of both events will be released on Books and Rhymes, the podcast, in due course. Due to the overwhelming schedule of the past week, the winner of the two signed copies of The Old Rip will be announced unfailingly in the next week's episode. Don't forget to sign up to the mailing list at booksandrhymes.com. Today's guest is the absolutely warm and effervescent Oyinkan Braithwaite, author of the critically acclaimed debut novel My Sister, the Serial Killer, which was recently shortlisted for the 2019 Women's Prize for Fiction. Women's Prize for Fiction. In the first half of this episode, Oyinkan talks about the inspiration for her novel, her reaction to brutally negative reviews and the peculiarity of Nigerian humour, which underlies the novel My Sister, the Serial Killer. In the second half, Oyinkan takes us on a musical journey through several books, including the book she recommends to readers who enjoyed My Sister, the Serial Killer or those who want to further explore the theme. Tweet your thoughts on this episode using the hashtag Books and Rhymes. Follow at Books and Rhymes on Twitter and Instagram. Hi, thank you for having me, Sarah. Thank you so much for being here. So, as previously explained, um, we're going to be asking Oyekon. We're going to. I'm going to be engaged in a conversation with Oyekon about my sister's curricular and also her reading habits. And so, we're just going to dive, delve into the first question. Okay. So, my friend, <laughs> my dear friend, my very dear friend, Oyekon. You just sound like, you know, when somebody's about to ask you something and you already know you're going to want to say no, <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's what is going to happen. But yeah, go ahead. So I first heard about my sister, the serial killer, when a friend read the blurb out and every sentence I was like, ooh, 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 ooh. 
And for the listeners, I'm going to read the blurb out to you. And by the way, please, if you can, just Google this book and just see how positively delicious the cover is. Oh, my gosh. When I first heard the book in my hand, I had a physical sensation. (laughs) (laughs) No, I totally totally get it. Listen, I, yes, it's It's, it's gorgeous. It really is. (gasps) It was quite exciting. (laughs) And the UK edition of the book, I mean, the cover feels so velvety. It is just delicious. So I'm now going to read the blurb. When Curry Day's dinner is interrupted one night by a distress call from her sisters, from her sister Ayola, she knows what's expected of her. Bleach, rubber gloves, nerve, nerves of steel and a strong stomach. This will be the third boyfriend Ayola's dispatched in self-defense and the third mess that her lethal little sibling has left Curry Day to clear away. She should probably go to the police for the good of the menfolk of Nigeria, but she loves her sister and as they say, family always comes first. Until, that is, Ayola starts dating a doctor at the hospital where Corriday works as a nurse. Corriday's long been in love with him and isn't prepared to see him wind up with a knife in his back. But to save the world would mean sacrificing the other. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Where did this idea come from? And um, what was the motivation for writing the book? You know, this is sometimes a tough question, but like so far, the simplest response um, that I can think of is, you know, in about 2007, um, I was researching on the Black Widow spider and um, I learned that the Black Widow spider, you know, after she mates with the male, if she happens to be hungry afterwards and the male is still hanging around, um, she'll eat him. I think she's also the bigger creature. And um, there was something just so cavalier about that. And I thought it was funny. Like, <laughs> <laughs> off the <laughs> gate, out of the gate, I just thought it was funny. And it stayed with me. Because I think immediately after I read um, that, um, read up about the spider, and I sort of um, ingested it and imbibed it, I, I wrote a poem called Black Widow Spider. Mm. And, um, you know, and I guess this idea of a female killing males and having the ability and the and doing it not out of like i don't think the black widow spider was hating on the the, you know on the male necessarily but she was hungry and he's there um because because if he wasn't there she would eat something else it's not as if she has to eat the male (laughs) spider you know so um just this idea of a a female doing this to the male in such a cavalier careless manner um was entertaining um <laughs> to me <laughs> so so I, I i started playing with it little by little and you know a story here or there um because once I, I did the poem then i started playing with it in like a um with humans and eventually um in 2017 i started writing um this book um and you know and i knew that the killer in this book wasn't going to be um gloomy or you know scary necessarily she also was going to be doing her crimes in a very cavalier manner Mm -hmm. it's interesting that you said that um you were entertained (laughs) 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 and amused yeah by the black widow's um satiation you know uh, you know yeah just willingness to consume her male partners which is part of my conflict with this book but not in a conflict like mm, conflict but yeah. conflict like oh conflict you know 
<laughs> you're gonna have to explain to us like what the difference is between mm, conflict and uh conflict. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how there is some moral conflict? Like, oh my gosh, I'm entangled in this mess. Yeah. And there's a there is a conflict with which. You know, I don't really care, but I should care. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I should be worried that I'm rooting <laughs> for this serial killer. Yeah. But I'm really rooting for yeah. them. You know, was that intentional for you? I mean, why was it important? First of all, why was it important to write this book in a lighthearted manner? Um, you know, it's weird, but I feel like with age, I'm becoming less willing to stay in dark places. As a, as a young person, I, you know, I thought the most, the tragic stories were the most romantic things ever and I loved them and but like the older I get it's starting to weigh on me and it's interesting because like my mom um she always she used to say in the past that as a young person she used to watch a lot of horror and all of that and now like you find my mom reading she will read the cheesiest romance <laughs> and that's all she reads that's all she 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 watches Pride and Prejudice every night the BBC version I think every night like we can all quote um you know pride and prejudice wow. she watches it every night so she's very just on this light comedy romance and this is someone who apparently i i find it even hard to believe but apparently started off with horror so i don't know if that's what's like happening to me i hope i don't go all the way <laughs> on the other end of the scale <laughs> but i do kind of find that like i'm less willing to stay somewhere dark even when i want to engage with darker themes and darker ideas i don't want to immersed in darkness and um so you know i knew i didn't know at the time it was going to be funny i didn't even realize it was funny until it got published <laughs> but um but i knew it wasn't going to be immersed in darkness that there was going to be a lightness to it mm. and it was important for me to keep that lightness you know throughout the book somewhat do you think the nigerian sense of humor is reflected in the book some parts there's some parts that i the um like the um there's something one of the characters one of the nurses says about um um about she says it about um I'm not sure what Corrid is wearing something so I don't remember this is like my book I don't remember <laughs> what's going I think Corrid is wearing something and um one of the nurses says something about how it would it if something about it not being original you know <laughs> um. And that's a phrase that people used to say a lot in Nigeria at some point where, you know, they'd be like, oh, that watch is nice. It's a shame it's not original. <laughs> you know? And, like, when I had this particular friend, a guy, who used to say that stuff to me all the time. And, like, the first time he said it to me, I was literally stunned for a second. I was like, what do you mean? It's not, like, what do you mean? And it's, it's so insulting, but it's hilarious at the same time. It's funny. And it's one of those things that, so that I literally just stole from, from Nigerians. Like they, it was, different people were saying it. We went through that phase and I stole that and put it in the book because I thought it was hilarious. Um, so there are one or two things like that. I think uh, maybe the snideness sometimes um, with, you know, adults, because I think Nigerians also, we are not rude to our elders mm -hmm. to their face, mm -hmm. <laughs> but there's a lot of snideness that goes on um, around them. And Corridae definitely has that. Yeah. And I think that's a very Nigerian thing. So there's some things that are very, very Nigerian about the comedy. Mm. Um, and then there's some things that I just think people find it funny because it's juxtaposing this darkness. And they're like, how can I be, how can I find this darkness? You know, I don't think that necessarily is Nigerian. But I do think that Nigerians do have a way of 
finding humor in a situation that wouldn't ordinarily be funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's how we get by sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, where, um, and sometimes it's a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing because it means that we don't necessarily always get up quickly enough um, because we we're, we think everything is a joke or something. I don't know. But yeah. The question I want to ask is, a lot of black literature, African-American and uh, African literature, they're quite heavy on realism, which can take its toll on readers. Was that, and My Sister the Serial Killer is quite a lighthearted read, but it belies a lot of serious, important themes that the reader is not aware that you're imbibing. But when you take a second thought, the book then, the book then takes on a whole new meaning after you've read it. Mm-hmm. Was that a conscious choice to make it lighthearted? And what is your take on this, the prevalence of, you know, heaviness in black literature? Um, okay, I'm going to attack this in parts. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. Um, okay, first of all, I think, um, so I want to talk about it as a, as a, as a writer, but I also want to talk about it as an individual. Mm. And I'll address it as an individual first. Um, the truth is that a lot of these books that are um, that have a lot of uh, culture and a lot of uh, you know very serious themes and are very heavy and they've got a lot of history in it. The author has that knowledge. I don't. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's just start from there. I don't. You know, I don't know a lot about um, the history of Nigeria necessarily. Um, history, I don't even think is really something that we're taught in Nigeria, but I, I was in primary school h- in England, so um, if, if they were, like, I wasn't there for it. Um, you know, in terms of politics, I'm not uh, engaged with politics in the way that, you know, a lot of um, Nigerian writers are, or maybe African writers. Um, so um, I can't write what I don't know. Um, and I don't have the interest to necessarily write about those things. Um, so I write about what engages me. And I've always been, as opposed to, like, I'm interested in community. And I'm, you know, I think um, I'm trying to work on that a little bit more. But I'm also interested in individuals. I'm interested in what makes a person tick. How far will a person go? Especially when they're cornered. Um, where will I, Where do our desires take us? Th- those are the things I'm interested in in a in a small in smaller settings right so i'm not interested necessarily in the big picture mm. and i think sometimes you can achieve the big picture just by looking at a small part mm. of it you know so you don't need to cover the entire continent the entire country or entire city to get an idea of what the culture is like mm. um so that's just me like what where my interests lie as a writer um i'm i don't go in necessarily to a book thinking of themes um, but I already know the things that I have, you know, as an individual, you know, you have your prejudices, you have, you know, you have the things you believe, you have so many things that, uh, you're learning day by day and they're inside you. You, d- you don't have to do very much. They will come out, you know, in your art and whatever it is mm-hmm. that you're doing. Um, so, um, as a writer, I don't, I don't, as a reader, I don't like to read a book and immediately be like oh okay this is what the theme is like mm. you know she's trying to teach me something or he's trying to teach me something mm. or they're leading me somewhere mm. i don't really like that feeling um you know it's like going to school and i don't <laughs> i'm not a huge <laughs> fan of that i've been out of school and i'm done with it um so yeah so i think because i was conscious of that as a reader as a writer i'm also conscious of it where i'm like if i am going to pass across a message and oftentimes i don't even 
I like for the reader to decide for themselves. I'll just mm. present you the scenario and you decide what you want to think about it. But even if I do want to lead you there, that's not going to be what's going to drive my writing or drive the book. It's the character that's going to drive mm. the book as far as you know I'm concerned mm. or, or the circumstances that the character finds him or herself in. See, some writers like Toni Morrison specifically, her approach to writing, well, when she's asked about her writing process for her books, she says that the characters reveal to her mm. what they write themselves, basically. Mm -hmm. And she can't move forward unless she's obeying the voice of the character. Mm -hmm. What is your writing process? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I was is it not like Toni Morrison? So <laughs> I was thinking about what I've written beside this. Besides this. Um, I think... For this, this book was very character driven. Um, you know, I didn't know where it was going to end when I started. So, you know, as I learned about Corey Day and her relationship with Ayola and her love for Ayola, the ending became clear to me. I, like, it revealed itself. Because at the start, like, a lot of when I, you know, um, I was on uh, um, this app, Pigeonhole, and they had the book in what they call staves and people were reading and commenting on it sort of like in a book club style real time kind of so i got to read towards the end i got to read the comments and stuff and you know some of the thought processes of the readers were mine as well like i was wondering okay who's gonna die next what's gonna happen what's like i wasn't necessarily sure um but the ending revealed itself to me when i realized how much Corey loved her sister mm. and it became it became clear but I didn't know that at the start I didn't know that's where it was going to go so for this book definitely um Corey Day and Ayala and Ayala writing Ayala every time I had to like put the quotation the speech marks and it was Ayala's turn to talk I was just like excited like <laughs> what's she gonna say now <laughs> like what is Ayala she gonna is a mad one. <laughs> yeah like I had a lot of fun like you know and I didn't pre I didn't pre-plan those yeah. things. Like I just went for it and Ayala would tell me like, you know, I'm going to say this now. I'm going to do this really weird <laughs> thing now. And I'm like, okay, fine. Okay. Now this is where I'm going to ask you for the juice. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the goss. <laughs> Who does Ayala remind you of? Ooh. Oh. <laughs> um, it's a tough one. I don't. No. Boo. <laughs> boo. No, she's going to, I think, I think there's a little bit of me in her. I think um, there's a little bit of, um, you know, because I watch a lot of anime, so I think there's a little bit of that kind of crazy um, that I've experienced in anime inside Ayola. Um, you know, is she? I think she's just like a combination of different things. Um, there's a little bit, you know, because when I, when I was going into her, I thought of her, I mean, she's an adult, but I treated her as a child and I loved her um, as a child and there's something very childlike about her. Um, so I didn't, and I think, you know, that's the thing about me though. Like even when I'm naming my characters, I can't, I struggle, I can't really name them after someone that I'm close to or who's very strong in my mind because that's going to affect the freedom that mm. I have. Mm. So, um, so, you know, I don't like to be reminded of the people around me because then it's hard to kill them or it's hard to like, <laughs> no, it becomes difficult to do some things <laughs> that you need to be able to do. You yeah. need distance. So for the most part, I actually don't like to tailor my characters after people that I can readily identify. What has been the most interesting review 
you've read about the book or mm. you've heard about the book. Interesting or, or hurtful? <laughs> Some people have hurt me. See, um, <laughs> interesting could be a euphemism. <laughs> so yeah. yes, I, I, I like to think hurtful. Yes, what is the hurtful? <laughs> um, you know, for the most part, when people have given the feedback and it's been negative like sometimes i can see what they're saying like i'm like oh okay fair enough sometimes it's just not for them it's not the kind of book for them there is one girl on youtube though that slaughtered it like she slaughtered it six ways till sunday like it was it was tough i watched the entire thing and afterwards i was like okay I think I may have called her a gremlin. Oh. <laughs> like, I was like, where did this gremlin come from? Um, so I'm what? sorry if she comes across. I'm really sorry. You know, I was just emotional at the time. Did you, mess, did you comment on the No, 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 YouTube? I didn't oh, comment. Okay. I didn't comment. <laughs> this is the first time she'll hear. If she even know, I don't know. Maybe there's more than one like YouTube video now slaughtering it. But at the time, she was the only one I had come across. And it was tough because it was tough because she didn't have a single... Like for her, the the book had no redeeming quality. Um, like she hated it, right? Mm. And felt that it just completely missed its mark. And that's tough as someone who's created something mm. <laughs> to listen to someone be like, Yep, nope, whatever this book was trying to do, it did not do it. <laughs> it did not, it did, it missed it by a mile. Um, and it's tough, but you have to sort of um I mean, one thing I know is that I've written the book. It's out of my hands now. Um, and that's something I have to be at peace with. I can't change anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't be like, oh, wait. <laughs> like, no, this doesn't really make sense. Let me change it. I can't do that. It's out now. And whatever happens, happens. Um, and I need to be at peace with that. Also, reasonably, not everybody's going to love the book. And, you know, and it's, um, and I'm just grateful it's gotten the attention that it's gotten. Um, so, yeah, you just got to grow up. <laughs> I'm <laughs> curious. Way. What was what was her criticism what was like the 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 main bulk of her criticism um do you know what i'm gonna have to watch it again because she did reference some books that she felt did a better job of doing what i was trying to do were they by nigerian or african authors as well um not that i know of i don't think they were i think they no i'm pretty sure they weren't but um you know she she clearly picked it up because of the attention that it was getting and you know the hype and she just felt like it hadn't met the hype and she felt it was weak i guess she felt it was really weak like it didn't achieve anything as far as she was concerned so it was tough it was it was the meanest like review i'd come across and not mean because i know her intention wasn't Mm -hmm. to be mean but like it was the first time that you know, I hadn't, they hadn't even said, oh, okay, but her writing is mm. cute or like, you know, whatever. Like, there was no didn't, redeeming there qualities. There was no, like, as far <laughs> as she's concerned, like, she doesn't even know why they picked up the book. Like, so, um, yeah, but like I said, you have to grow up in the process because you realize that, um, because the truth is, not everybody's going to like the book. That's just facts. And um, there's not much you can do about it. And you can, you just kind of hope that it will reach whoever it's supposed to reach and and it's so nice when people really enjoy it and say that this they laughed and stuff it's nice to know that some people are it's making people feel lighter or just to have Mm. fun in a way that they didn't think they would have and um i wasn't expecting to have that so in the same way that i didn't expect all this positive energy there's going to be negative energy that i also didn't expect Mm. and i have to be okay with both do you think that um (coughs) culture I might start my question with do you and <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to continue. <laughs> In thinking of this review, yeah. 
I have an assumption in my mind, but I'm just going to keep it to myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> is it important or how important do you think it is um, for a reader to understand the cultural context of a book in order to get it? Is that important or? A book or this book? This book. Um, I don't think it's important for this book um, because... You know, um, I mean, there there are a lot of cultural things in it. Um, like, you know, for example, the phrase where um, there's a part where um, the mother says something in Yoruba and it's like a, it's like four sentences in Yoruba and it's not translated, mm -hmm. right? But because of the way that the scene is set up, mm. I feel like any woman will kind of know. You won't know what she's saying, mm -hmm. but you'll know. Like, yeah. you know, it's like a heart to heart communication. It's a human thing, right? Where you know just by sort of the pain and everything, you, you understand. Like, you know, it's just like watching someone on her knees crying out in a foreign language. Like, mm -hmm. she doesn't need to, like, yeah. translate that. You get it. Um, so I, I don't think that you need to fully grasp the culture um and as a reader you know um like we're i guess in the literary world we're considered um black females are considered a minority i suppose in the literary world mm -hmm. and as a reader reading mostly white literature i haven't felt like i needed to be i mean i guess i'm i'm comfortable with the british but like america i don't feel like i need to be immersed mm -hmm. in their culture or um, any other cultures that I've read to get it, like Indian books, like I don't feel like I need to, I, you know, because it's, hum it's, hu it's a human thing. Like a lot of things that we go through, it's human as opposed to just rooted in um, our cultural practices or our traditions. And even if they are, again, at the heart of it, you know, whenever somebody's struggling against something, it's a human struggle. So, um, so yeah, I don't think. But I think that, um, <laughs> you're like, mm, that's not the answer I was looking no, for. No, no, no. <laughs> Well, um, no, yeah, because on. no, I mm. <laughs> <laughs> you can see my face. I'm like, mm. yeah. Mm. To me, my sister, the serial killer, it's a delicious taste of Nigeria. Mm. When I, I know you shouldn't, you know, use delicious with murder, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I felt transported mm -hmm. to Lagos when reading the book. The language was mm. so authentic, and it's. I'm pleased you mentioned the non-translated Yoruba phrase. Mm. To me, that's an important thing because you're saying this book is this is how I interpret. Mm. This book is for the cultural insiders. You get it, mm. and if you understand the language, it adds a greater depth mm. to your reading. If you don't understand the language, it makes you understand that you're an outsider, but you realize that ah, this is a separate culture that I'm not a part of. Mm. Do you see what I mean? So the reason why I asked that question is number one, because of that absence of the dominance of Africans telling their stories to the West. And also there might be some physiologies and expressions in this book that would be lost to outside readers. Yeah. So the one I'm going to mention, the scene that I'm going to mention is the one where the father has a girlfriend. Yeah. And you refer, you mentioned, you describe her as yellow. Yeah. Which in Nigeria, that's not a pejorative term. Mm -hmm. That's, um, you know, a, it's sometimes it's a, it's a compliment, yeah. which is quite weird. Yeah. You know, to us, it's a compliment. Yeah. But African-Americans or rather West people in the diaspora, given the politics of race and mm -hmm. culture in the diaspora, that is pejorative because it's falling, it's, um, it's, 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 you know, uh, 
it triggers that colorism yeah debate um okay so okay thing is i agree with you but i stand by like because the thing is um there is there are some you know as a non okay first of all the yoruba phrase right that phrase doesn't even just alienate non-africans it it, it alienates sorry i'm kind of (laughs) it alienates um even nigerians who are not yoruba yes do you understand Mm. so you know so which was not my intention um it's just that you can't apologize for you know who you are where you're Mm. from right or your language so you need to just go with it um however again i don't i didn't think of it as alienation if anything, I thought of it as an introduction mm. because, you know, the thing about it that I find challenging, like an, uh, as a, you know, I know you would understand this, um, is this whole, I mean, it's been talked about, but this whole Africa is not a country thing, mm. right? But even outside of that, like I find a lot of um, Nigerians or Africans are the ones encouraging this idea, you know, and, you know, sometimes people are surprised that we speak English in mm. Nigeria. And I'm like, that's because we're not, we don't all speak the same language. Mm. We need to communicate with each mm-hmm. other. Um, so you said that a lot of people don't know a lot of things about Nigeria and this is just one way for them to start to understand that okay this is one language but this this girl says she's able she doesn't understand what this <laughs> means you know <laughs> or whatever um so i see more of as an introduction because maybe we're not doing enough of that i don't know but as an introduction to a culture like welcome to Nigeria as opposed to an, an alienation yes. from uh, for starters secondly like i said phrases yeah you'll miss here and there as i do sometimes when i'm reading mm-hmm. things right but what is what is the true thing about what is this book essentially about it's about relationship and you can understand that wherever you're from mm-hmm. um talking about this yellow thing you know i did come across a reviewer who you know the character in the book that's referred to as yellow um the reviewer the reviewer felt that it was um, an Asian individual, which I, for a minute, I was just stunned. Like, mm. I was like, where, 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 where? And then when I looked at it, I was like, oh, okay, you know, I get it. Because I was writing as a Nigerian, and I wasn't thinking about um, necessarily, oh, will, will a non-Nigerian get this? Um you know, and it's funny because once I was writing, I don't know if it was this book I was writing, but I was writing something and my brother was, no, it wasn't this book. He was much younger and he came into my room and he was like, is this going to appeal to a foreign audience? (laughs) And it was just so funny because I think at the time he was probably like 13 and I was like, get out of here, get out of my room. What do you mean is it going to appeal to a foreign audience? And um, so it's this kind of mentality where you want to shape yourself so other people, but thankfully I had fantastic editors who, even though they weren't African, um, and they weren't black, kind of encouraged me to just be myself, to mm-hmm. just go with it. Um, I mean, the book was half, you know, mostly done, but, um, but you know, in terms of editing, they could have asked me to, like, hold back, or no, we, we don't get it, or there was nothing like that. Um, it was actually because one of them, um, James, encouraged me um, with this, because in the first draft, that Yoruba sentence that's not translated wasn't even in it, mm-hmm. in the first draft. But at some point, he sent me this article about, um, basically about what we're talking about, about embracing your culture, not shying away from it in your literature, in your writing or whatever. And I, so I I came up, so, you know, I was working on that scene and the sentence kind of came to me, what I wanted the sentence to say. 
which I'm not even sure. Like, I struggled a bit <laughs> with the Yoruba. <laughs> so, but like, I knew what I wanted it to say. And, you know, when I put it there, I was like, is this okay? Like, is it okay that I've left it like this? And they were like, it's fine. So, um, you know, I know some people have had an issue with the fact that it's not translated. Let me, I not like some people have had an issue with it, but they'll be fine. They'll no. be okay in the end. I'm a huge proponent of <laughs> no of writing for of people reading and see themselves reflected in the text. And yeah. there is a very affirming thing of saying, ah, it's very um subconscious. Mm. You know that ah, oh, this is written for me. Mm. You know, one of my bugbears is when um you're reading works that are um by people who are not from America or Britain or from English-speaking languages, mm. um, from English-speaking countries. You know. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. English, England and America. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> now that we've narrowed it down. <laughs> <You know. laughs> and when, there are, when they use um, terms that are specific to their culture, they always italicize it. Okay, yeah. That that gets me. Oh, really? Because I feel like you're othering yourself in, <laughs> in the world. <laughs> you're like, you're doing it to yourself. Yes! Why do you have to italicize Akara? Eating food. Yeah. Akara, why are you italicizing this? I know it's food. Yeah. I can go and Google or just yeah. just what I'm in. Yeah. You know, I digress because it's... <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank yeah. you. And I want to clarify one thing. I mean, yes, I, th I think, yes, it's one thing to say alienation, but I don't see it as alienation in terms of people seeing themselves as alienated mm. in the text. And if you do... I think that's a um, I think that's a sense of entitlement. Mm. If you feel alienated from mm. the text, mm -hmm. then you're entitled. Yeah, because because I don't like when yeah. I read a culture that's not my own, like wherever it is a French book, but I actually don't feel like it's. I mean, if it's in French, I do because then I can't read <laughs> I French. Can't but if it's in English, like and it's a different culture, I'm I engage with it. It's a different environment. It's refreshing, yeah. you know. I don't feel so. You know, they shouldn't yeah, so either. Deal. We've had to read your Jane Austen, so deal. <laughs> How would you pitch your book to someone who's like mm, ambivalent about reading it? Um, okay, first of all, it's not gory because that seems to be a lot of people's concern. It is not gory. If you're worried about that, that's not what it is. It's more about relationship than it is about murder, even <laughs> even though it says it on the cover. <laughs> but um, you know, you don't get a lot of stabby stabby. So if that's this, that's also what you're looking for. That might not be. This might not be the one for you. Um. And yeah, I think if you if you if you're in a family, read it. If you've got a sister, you definitely <laughs> have yes. to read it. You know, so if you've got a brother, a sister, if you've you got know, a boyfriend, if you've yeah. got a crush, <laughs> yes. if you've got a colleague, yeah, if you've got a colleague, <laughs> yeah, if you're a doctor or a nurse, yes. pick it up. <laughs> you know, if you're a pedestrian, yeah. read it. If you know someone in a coma. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely. If you All don't right. like cops, <laughs> yes, pick it. the book up. If you know you a divorcee, read it. <laughs> if you're Nigerian, pick it up. If you're African, pick it up. African-American. Yeah, pick if you're it. black, pick it up. If you want to know about the crazy that goes on in the minds of Nigerians, you yes. definitely yes. pick it up. If you've come across a Nigerian in uni and you're wondering why they are the way they are, pick up this book. You'll figure it out. It's wonderful. <laughs> okay, so we're now going into the books and rhymes segment of oh, the podcast. I'm excited <laughs> about this. <laughs> um, books and Rhymes is an informative, effervescent podcast where we explore the intersection of literature and music. We engage guests in an informal discussion, well, sometimes formal, discussion about the books they have chosen, 
we unpack, you know, we discuss the themes in the book and we also draw connection between the guests, um, how they see these books. And in a way, we're drawing connections between their memory, the time of reading the book and, you know, why the books mean so much to them or so less to them and then I might have some questions about the books that they've picked if I don't like it I might flame <laughs> them so yes um, there's one book that I'm like mm, why is it there <laughs> okay okay so so we have four categories um, you know your favorite book the second one is the book that's had the most impact on you and then I ask you for the book your go-to book that gets you out of your reading slump and then the book you recommend to readers who loved my sister the serial killer so the first category is what is your favorite book and which is the song that you pair it with okay so my favorite book is Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte and um this one was tough because I had to like obviously I've not thought of <laughs> these categories i've not thought of them before <laughs> so i had to sort of do some real research and jane eyre was tough because obviously it's a different era and um to find a song to pair it with was crazy um <laughs> so eventually i settled on um i'll still have me by cynthia nabuni everything worked out all right and things that made this harder passed us by but there's no bedroom to wake up from No, I got it bad when it's the morning And you're all that's on my mind If I don't have you At least I still have me It's a really sweet sounding song and I chose it because um, one of the scenes in Jane Eyre that kind of really stayed in my memory. I mean, there's so many scenes, but one of them was when she's sorry, guys, there's going to be a spoiler. But if you haven't read Jane Eyre by now, <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know if I can help you. <laughs> my I mouth mean, is my mouth is. Again. Yeah, her mouth dropped open. <laughs> but I mean, it's called a can classic you, can, can for a curve, reason. Can you curve yeah. the spoiler? <laughs> it's Just be vague. No, okay, I'll try and be vague. I'll try and be vague. <laughs> but I mean, guys, it's called a spoiler for a reason. I mean, so it's called a spoiler. It's called a classic for a reason. But okay, so there's this really intense uh, scene between uh, Jane Eyre and the Mr. Rochester. And Mr. Rochester. And, um, you know, she has to make a choice. And um, this song, what was the scene? That's not... Okay. I mean, you said be no, vague. I, yeah, but I read the book. Is it towards the end or is it the middle? It's the middle. It's the Give scene. Give an idea of the... It's like after the wedding scene. Her wedding with... Oh! Yeah, that scene where they're alone in the room. Is, uh, does a person come? Is it when she meets the person? No, it's after that. When it's just her, when she's trying to... When he's begging her. <laughs> like when, oh, okay. We're talking around. <laughs> the reader's going to be like, what? What? Wait, why was okay. he begging her? Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it so basically Jane Eyre and Mr. So Jane Eyre, give a synopsis of the book. <laughs> okay, Leah, let me do that. <laughs> Let's start with that. Yeah, okay, so just like going in. Um, oh, Jane Eyre is a tough book to give a synopsis about because it's so like it's a because it starts when she's like 10, yeah, and you know, it ends when she's uh, I think maybe 22 or something, yeah. and um, so it's a 
it, you know, it's we've got 12 years that we're covering in that time. But she she had a really, you know, she's an orphan living mm. at the start. She's an orphan living with her aunt and um, her cousins. And mm. they, they're just really, it's a very Cinderella type of situation. Yeah. I mean, she's not cleaning up after them, but y- they don't treat her very yeah. well. Eventually, they send her off to this horrible, they can afford to do better, but yes. they send her off to this horrible boarding school where mm. a lot of the girls there die um <laughs> it's just very dark <laughs> now that you think about it, like just think about because i'm always like oh i don't know why people think jane Eyre is dark but like talking about it and i'm like hang on a minute <laughs> like all these young girls were so she goes to this <laughs> i feel so bad now um so she <laughs> she leaves she, she she's not one of the girls who dies in the morning school she leaves to become a governess um in you know this guy's rich house um looking up to his ward and um you know so it's about him and uh they fall in love i guess it's safe to say um but it things don't go it's not your t- things it's don't really <laughs> go according to plan um there are so many plot points yes, in this book yeah a lot of twists and yes. turns before you get to the end uh, I think a lot of people kind of think of Jane as a weak character, but I never did. As a child, I never did. And as an adult, I still don't. I think she had immense strength. Mm. And um, I feel like the choice she made then was a choice that many women today will still not make. Like, if you if you had... I mean, if we think of Fifty Shades of Grey, if you have this guy... Like Mr. Rochester was basically like an older yes. Christian, you know. Great. And he, if you had a guy who could give you everything you wanted was willing to give you everything you wanted. You came from obscurity. Yeah. You didn't have money, nothing. He's willing to give you everything. And without that weird contract that Christian <laughs> or Gray <laughs> gives, like without all of that, you know, and, um, loves you to bits, treats you better than you've ever been treated in your life. Cause bear in mind, guys, she came from a really dark place. Um, you know, and is begging her like he was full on weeping begging her to stay and she says no the song i picked for this section where she decides to go and she's you know alone and penniless and it's called i'll still have me um it says maybe in another life everything worked out all right and things that made this harder passed us by but there's no bad dream to wake up from no i got it bad when it's the morning and you're all that's on my mind if i don't have you at least I'll still have me. Mm. Um, so I thought that kind of coined that whole, you know, what she was going through. Because at the end of the day, she realized that, again, this is why I don't understand why people think she was weak. Because her whole thing in that section is that I'm important. She actually kind of, like, I wish we had the book to look <laughs> at now. She actually kind of is like, I'm important. I value myself. Because I think it's this thing where it's like you have, she has this internal monologue when she's talking to herself and herself is telling her that you know you're nothing you had nothing this guy will give you everything and she's like no i have me i'm important i'm valuable whilst you're finding the page how many times have you read this book um yeah (laughs) (laughs) i mean like the first time i was like 10 so we've had time to sometimes i don't read the entire book i'll go to like the parts that um okay so now she's talking to him <laughs> like, let me just get to the it won't be long now she's live the, reading the book yeah like i'm looking at it um because right now mr rochester is telling her his life story to try and get her to be like you know i love you i'm gonna stay like, with this you she said he says you are going jane i am going sir she called him sir because you know she used to work for him <laughs> you <laughs> Guys, also, this was a long time ago. Don't judge me. Um, you are leaving me? Yes. 
Anyway, so she she leaves. He still is like uh, sleep on it. Okay, okay, okay. So yeah, I found it. Oh, brilliant. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm good. Check you out. Um, okay, so she says, Oh, comply, it said. Think of his misery. Think of his danger. Look at his state when left alone. Remember his headlong nature. Consider the recklessness following on despair. Soothe him. Save him. Love him. Tell him you love him and will be his. Who in the world cares for you? Or who will be injured by what you do? Still, indomitable was the reply. I care for myself. The more solitary, the more friendless, the more unsustained I am, the more I will respect myself. Um, and she, you know, she goes on in that um, vein. Mm. Do you um, know the thing? Uh, this unsung is so uh, it's hauntingly gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> and Jane Eyre also has a haunting at well, yeah. there's explicit haunting in the book. <laughs> But it's quite, it's a gothic novel, isn't it? Yeah. So the song has that gothic feel to mm. it, you know, and, and please listen to I Still Have Me by Cynthia Bosney. And we're going to have a playlist for this episode. Well, the playlist already exists mm. anyways. So it's going to be on the website, booksandrhymes.com. And it's going to be on the show note for this episode. And you have to listen to this song. My gripe with Jane Eyre. <laughs> 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 okay, well, we're going to get that. Yeah, what is it? Listen, I read this book. I was introduced to this book in a literature class. Okay. If you then look at Bertha Mason through Mr. Rochester's first wife, through today's lens, you can say she's black. <laughs> you say you can say that. Like <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I, I want to see where you're going with this. Okay. I'm here, I'm here for it. So for me, uh -huh. for me, is that duality in Jane Eyre? Where Bertha Mason, she was depicted as an animal. Yeah. She was depicted as an animal. The <laughs> first time you, the first time she comes into your consciousness, it's like this guttural noise. Yeah, it's demonic. The phrase "demonic" and you know she's red and Jane Eyre. The, the, even the motifs, yeah. it's red, danger. Are you fire. talking about the films here? Berth no, no, no. In the book. In the book. Okay, it's written. Okay, uh -huh. and Bertha Mace and Jane Eyre is white. Yeah, you know whatever. So you have that angel demon juxtaposition between the two of them. Yeah, and for me, the main criticism of Jane Eyre is that it does it's it to me is the early example of the tension in feminism and the portrayal of black women in literature. Well you know <laughs> okay hang and on a also the thing how how Bertha Mason yeah. she was sacrificed on the altar <laughs> uh, yeah of Jane Eyre's piety. Yeah. Because if Bertha Mason had not appeared Jane Eyre would not have had her strength of her resolution, she would not have left the house. So it's almost like the black woman is demonized so that the white woman's purity is amplified. <laughs> okay. No, the thing about J Jane Eyre, though, you also need to consider is that it's very, very, it's a fictional novel, but it's very close to what Charlotte Bronte's life actually was. Mm -hmm. So, um, <clears throat> I mean, she, I don't think she had a Mr. Rochester or anything like that, but it's very close to what her life actually was. Now, um, I don't think that her concern, considering the things she went through, because Charlotte Bronte went through a lot as well as mm -hmm. a woman and all of that. Um, I don't think her concerns at that time, I don't get the impression and uh, what mm -hmm. I've read about her, I don't think she was involved mm -hmm. in that side of things or that she even really had a lot of interaction with people of other races. Like, I, don't, I think mm -hmm. she had a very isolated life and you know she lost a lot of her siblings very early she died early mm. um so i'm not sure that that was necessarily something that was you know she she'd had a very sheltered existence um so i don't know if but then again it's very likely because like you said it was a different time mm. so racism wouldn't even have been seen as racism then 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You, you was low, yeah, yeah. How was your imagination of England from reading Jane Eyre versus your real lived experience? Um, well, you know, when I read Jane Eyre, I was living in England. Ah. So. Because I did my primary school in England. So I was I was more in England growing up. I was more here as a child than I was in Nigeria. So, um, and obviously I didn't have the experience of like reading about Nigeria and then <laughs> going to Nigeria and mm. be like, what is this? Um, <laughs> so it was, so I didn't have that because like this was where I, I kind mm. of, Grew like up. my most of my memories as a, as a child are here. So I, I didn't. Um, so I already ha- knew what England was like, and yeah. I knew that I was reading stuff that happened a long time ago. Yeah, unlike me, <laughs> I was bamboozled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see how. Like you know, I don't know if you ever read it, Mallory Towers. No. Um, <laughs> you know, I remember back. I think we had moved back to Nigeria already, and my sister had read Mallory Towers, my youngest sister, and she was about to start boarding school in Nigeria, and she was so excited. And like at some point, I was like, you know. It's not going to be, <laughs> you know, right? Like, I hope you know that you're not going to get a Mallory Towers experience. Um, and I don't think she knew. Like, even with the warning, like, it was a slap. We had to take her out of that school. Yeah, she was not. Yeah. Okay. That reminds me of um, a graphic novel called uh, German Calendar No December by Sylvia Ophili. It's a graphics novel. It's about a mixed race girl mm-hmm. who her mother is German, her father is Nigerian and she lived in Nigeria and she went to boarding school. But she'd always been reading <laughs> you know, she was always been reading in the Blighton yeah. and all of this. So she thought boarding nah. school was going to be like nah. that and it was a culture shock. Yeah. Yes. No. Mm-hmm. And then she then migrated to Germany. That was a different <laughs> experience for yeah. her as well. I was in boarding school in Nigeria for a year and yeah. No. Okay. Say no more. <laughs> Say no more. Um, so the second category yes. is the book that has had the most impact on you. Yeah. So what is the title of the book? Uh, the song. The Voice in the Wind by Francine Rivers. Um, 
And the song I chose for that was Selah by Emily Sun. Your only begotten sun and the moon and the stars all been watching Selah. They've been watching Selah. I'm trying to figure out how to summarize this. <laughs> Sarah's giving me your, I'm learning my homes from you. I was like, hmm, this one is heavy. <laughs> um, oh gosh. It, shoot. I don't know how to. Um, so it's about a girl. It's set in. I, I don't, I want to say biblical it's times, set, but it's, no, it's not. It's set in AD 69 to 70. Yeah. So after Christ. Yes. Um, yeah, so it's a long time ago. Yes. It's about um, a Jewish girl. Mm-hmm. Was her name Hadassah? Yes, oh Hadassah. <laughs> like, I'm trying to remember. Hadassah. Okay, her name was Hadassah. And um, so she gets taken from her family. So she's, she's um, they've taken her and she's, she's enslaved, enslaved yeah. in this Roman home. And, um, you know, she's, it's just, I don't know. It's that it's you know it's the lion you know it's the lions in the uh what do they just call those things um those oh the gladiator yeah the, the gladiator thing it has coliseum. that whole is it coliseum, coliseum there you go you know you've got that you've got this whole I mean she's such a beautiful character basically she's a Jew or no she's a Christian I guess actually and she because it's after Christ she's a Christian and she um you know she lives in this um she's living with this Roman family who are basically all non-christians i guess and um they um and the the so they've their rich family um the but she she deals mostly with the 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 son and the daughter this daughter is close to her age they might be the same age um and they strike up a friendship but then things kind of change Mm. later on the uh, um the brother he eventually does love her comes to love her and i think eventually comes to share her faith Mm. um but it's you know it sounds much simpler than i'm describing it's like an epic fantasy if like that's the closest thing i compare it to um it's It's a trilogy yeah and it's a trilogy yes so a voice in the wind is just the first in the trilogy i've read all three they're fantastic um you know, it's exactly, it's exactly like that because it's a trilogy. It has that epic fantasy thing going on. There's so much, there's love, there's action um, and everything. And then there's a strong Christian theme running through. And it's not like just a little like tidbits. It's, it's, it's a Christian novel. Um, but one of the reasons why it impacted me the most is it's the only book I think I've ever read where after I was done with the book, I put the book down. I went to the corner of my room. I can never forget this. Sank in a very dramatic manner because I was a teenager. Sank to the ground with my back against the wall and wept. I cried and I cried and I cried. Like, it was like, so like, I don't know. When when you said the book that impacted me the most, this was the one I could think of because I don't think I've ever experienced that with any other book where I was just weeping. Why? Um, Because of the ending. Oh, was it a cliffhanger ending? Um, well, at the, no, (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't say it was a cliffhanger, (laughs) but it wasn't, (laughs) it was a really tragic ending. Um, you know, thankfully, you know, in book, 
to you're able to gather your heart back okay. in pieces sort of put things together again but um yeah so i don't know francie rivers is a genius i don't know so why pair it with Sela by emily sunday Um, cause, okay, first of all, the word Sela has, um, biblical, um, I try to find out what mm. it means. It like, it really doesn't have like a specific meaning. I think some people liken it to peace, mm. um, you know, and then the sound, cause again, it was weird finding a song for this because it's not a contemporary book. Mm. Um, so to find something that did justice to the tone of the novel. So it's, it's not necessarily dark but it's mm. it's deep it's quite it's ethereal yeah it's, got that it's sort of deep heavenly body and your atmosphere. heart is in your mouth a lot oh. because we're talking about times when um i know you know uh times when christians were being killed because mm. this is when the time this is when the book is based on the time when christians were being killed mm. a lot mm. and um hadassah the main character she's already been through a lot she's lost her entire family mm. and despite that she manages to be strong mm. and especially surrounded by people who don't share her faith mm. who don't believe the things she believes she manages to be strong she's a slave mm. you know lost everything she's ever known is in an environment that is hostile to her and her faith. And I know people are still going through that yeah. um, today and, you know, in different faiths and stuff. It's it's tough. Um, so, um, you know, that's the environment that this book is set in. So you're constantly in fear for this girl's life. Um, but, this, but she manages to be victorious mm. and not in a, like a, cheesy kind of way she's victorious from deep inside like she's victorious mm. from like her belly so um it's really um deep so this song i think i liked it partly because it was hard for me to put a finger on it in terms of um what it was really about it seemed to be about so much all at once and it was pe it was beautiful i mean emily san you know at some point, I was uh, I was tempted to put her name on like every <laughs> like all the songs were gonna be Emily Sand songs. Like you can almost not go wrong with yes, her. I don't know. Yes. Um, I love. So her. yeah, I'll just read um, a little bit of the song. Maybe give you an idea as to why I picked it. Um, so I'll start from here. Um, but I'm deep in my womb and I'm kicking on the diaphragm. Try not seizure, blades like Caesar. Funny when I feel the choke of the umbilical. My soul gets deeper, songs real spiritual. Cross around my neck and a crystal in my pocket. My love is the bomb and forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> my love is the bomb and forgiveness is the rocket. Which army gonna stop it? My faith rises up. Even while pulse dropping, I wrote it on my heart so it's never forgotten. Um, so yeah, so... It's it's a little bit less rappy than it sounded when I was saying <laughs> it, but you definitely it's a short it's song, beautiful. guys. Listen yeah. to it; it's gorgeous. It really <laughs> you guys, I hope you love it. It's great. Yes. Okay. So, um, I did a bit of digging, okay. and I found that when Francine Rivers was asked about what inspired her to write this trilogy, this is what she said, and I quote. Almost every short story I've written since becoming a Christian has come from a question relating to a struggle in my own faith walk. With a voice in the wind, the question was, how do you live out your faith amongst family members and friends who are not at all interest interested in the gospel? I became fascinated by the early martyrs and how they had encouraged 
and how they had the courage to die for their faith. So I decided to begin the story in AD 69 to 70 with the chaos and destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. Through the character of Hadassah, the answer came. It is not what you say, it is how you live that has an impact. Mm. Also, you don't need courage ahead of time. God prepares you and supplies you with the courage you need to face difficulties when you need it. What is your response to this? <laughs> um, ooh, I, I don't know how I can respond to that. Like, uh, I feel for like Francie Rivers, like, I mean, she's my Oga in this, like, <laughs> so like, how, how do you come? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it means like, she's, she's, she's the person that I, you know, uh, she's not my level, basically. <laughs> so uh, when, when you say, yeah, do I, how do I respond? It's a bit tough. No, when I um, like, but yeah. yeah. Do you, um, does it resonate with you? Yeah, no, definitely. I think, you know, um, one thing I've realized going into it, like I know this might, uh, might sound a bit weird, but when the book got picked up... Um, Which book? This one, My Sister the Serial Killer. Um, when it, you know, when it got picked up and I knew it was going to be published and I knew when it was going to be published um, and, you know, the publishers kind of gave me a heads up as to how much attention they thought it was going to get and things like that. Um, and as time went, I started to see the kind of attention. And something that struck me was that, you know what? You're going to have to become rooted in your faith. Like, if you're not rooted already, you need to do the work now, between now and when the book comes out, because that's when... Because I, I live a very sort of insular mm. life. You know, I'm, I'm usually just in my room. I have a small ensemble of friends, like very small, you know, people that I... I see here and there and, um, you know, I don't have a, you know, on social media, if you, um, I mean, I'm there, but I'm not really, <laughs> you know, I'm not yeah. very active, yeah. you know, I'm not really doing anything that interesting. So um, this was going to be my first time really interacting with the world mm -hmm. at large. And I knew that that's when things can get a bit hinky, you know, where you you're going to start to question yourself a lot. You're going to get confused about things. You know, people are going to respond to you in a certain way. And I knew that I needed to be prepared for that mm. period of my life. Um, and I felt like the best way to, prepared, to be prepared was to spend more time in the Word. Um, just because um, otherwise you just find yourself being pulled, you know, this way and that. And I didn't want that. Um, so... So I definitely, but, you know, the thing is that there's some things that you can pre prepare for and then there's some things that completely take you by surprise. Mm -hmm. And like she said, then you have to trust yourself and you have to trust what you know and believe that God is there for you and mm -hmm. that he will, he will intervene or speak on your behalf. Um, but it definitely, I think one, another thing that I've learned in this period is I've learned a lot about love a lot about love in that like because i think in the period that we are in as people right now we we're we all very opinionated we all have our beliefs and our faiths and the things that we stand for and our principles and most of the time they're clashing with each other we're all clashing and it's to be able to be in the space and know that it's okay if you completely disagree with me and everything i have said we can still walk away from this friends. We can still walk, walk out of this room and be friends. We can still love each other, even though our 
beliefs because at the end because to be honest god didn't call me to fight <laughs> like that's not what he called me to do um so i'm i'm not gaining anything for him i'm not gaining anything for myself that's not a space i want to operate in um so it's okay if you are if your ideas are completely different to mine and truth is that this is one of the reasons why Twitter actually scares me. <laughs> no, I don't know if I'm the only one. You're not I'm alone. I'm sure I'm not. Twitter not scares me so badly. Um, I think it's a really hostile environment. And I'm like, and that's the thing about arguments. I, l- I learned when I was much younger where, because I, I used to be one of these really, like, I don't know when your blood gets hot, like in an argument, like your blood is like boiling. And eventually I realized, well, there's two things. One, somebody once said that God doesn't need you to fight for him. He's God, right? That's one. The second thing, though, and this is about, like, generally any kind of argument, is that I realized that all those arguments, we all used to leave the room with the same opinions we entered with. So all that shouting you're doing or getting, like, worked up, you're not changing the other person's mind. You really, so like, it's not about what you say. At the end of the day, it's how you live. If you're living a particular way, somebody's going to ask you, what what about you is different why you know how come you're so happy or how come you're managing you know how come you're managing this so well people you know and nigerians like to talk that's one thing about <laughs> nigerians are talkers so we we can have this argument from morning to night and we still leave with the exact same you know <laughs> so i don't believe in arguing with people i don't believe in hate all this hate uh i don't know what it's called like hate speech that's going on and you know the the way people are dragging people <laughs> i don't i don't really see what the point is hmm. Hmm. and that takes us on that's a very uh, food for thought <laughs> yeah but that's why instagram is my favorite place to operate i like instagram it's just lovely like people don't talk too much on instagram you know and then you rarely get people like i don't know why people don't really drag people on instagram no. like you rarely see that but twitter is a war zone i think to me twitter is you're talking to the world instagram you're talking to a selected group of people yeah people, people who have who your interest they have to follow like you yeah. to see what you're saying yeah that's um, true and you don't just swerve into someone's lane for the sake of it yeah you know so it's it's more curated friendship and yeah. if um and for someone like me who uses into instagram for a specific reason we discuss books. Yeah. And you we're having discussions. I'm so glad about you've explained because I've been trying to like figure out what the difference between Twitter and Instagram is because Twitter is tough. Mad. Twitter is tough. Mad. People <laughs> people go to Twitter to take you down. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what like I feel Just like some people wake up in the morning. Like did you did you um do you know the Twitter account the sub deli- um, sub delivery man or something? No. Like who apparently his main whoever that is, like he's behind He's a professional the, troll. Huh? Is he a professional troll? Yeah, like, what he does, apparently, is, like, so say I say something about you. Like, I'm like, oh, there's this girl who owns this uh, podcast about books and music. And we all know it's full of, like, it's just rubbish, right? Uh, but I didn't name it. It's you, not true. And I did. <laughs> 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 so, I, did, I don't name you. I don't name your podcast. <laughs> His work <laughs> is to tag you. Like, somehow, like, let you know that this... So, so you see something you wouldn't ordinarily have so seen. So, you subtweet me and he makes sure I, I, I yes. find out. Yeah. He's a jobless That's goat. That's his job. <laughs> Setting off wars. Goat. And we don't even know what he looks like. <laughs> He's a goat. Setting off, like, wars here. Like, what? You just wake up in the morning and you're like, yeah, I know who she's talking about. Like, let, let me just help this along a little bit. And then you just sit back and, and you just watch it. Down. Like that's 
I don't know. I can it's I can still watch it be entertaining in a very yeah, sick and it twisted would, yeah, way. It, it is, you know, it's hilarious. That's why I remembered it because it's funny. It's funny, but what he's doing isn't right. <laughs> like, no, it's wrong. <laughs> it's one of those like nom, 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 I'm going to laugh at the world burned out. Yeah. Ha, ha. So the book that gets you out of your reading slump. The reason I ask this question is because um do you know, as readers, I believe that, you know, you go through dips in life, isn't it? Like, you know, sometimes you're busy or even if you're a reader, you're just like, oh, I'm tired. I can't read. So which is the book that gets you out of your reading slump? The book you always go back to that reignites your love of reading, especially when you don't feel like reading or a book that gives you a pep in your step. Did you like that pep <laughs> in your step? Um, <laughs> OK, so this one was weird for me because <laughs> I, <don't laughs> I wasn't sure, like, but eventually, I settled on The Dark Angel by Meredith Pierce, uh, Meredith Ann Pierce, um, because, um, so The Dark Angel is a gothic fairy tale, um, and, you know, a lot of us, I think, as children, you know, we grew up on fairy tales and nursery rhymes and uh, Disney, <laughs> just Disney, um, so, um, when I read The Dark Angel, it feels to me like a very simple tale somehow, but it's dark. It's very, it's very fairy tale. Like it's um, basically about. Um, so there are two at the start. There are two girls. One is very beautiful. The other one is like her maid servant or something, and she's not that attractive. And they've gone off to. Um, meanwhile, I think the maid servant, like there was another servant in the house who used to tell her stories of this beasts ma you know who would take beautiful girls and take them away and you'd never see them again and i think there had been some missing girls in the area so anyway they go on this walk and they're picking flowers as you do why did they used to do that pick flowers why anyway well <laughs> <laughs> like, i suppose I mean, maybe that's such a that's such a cheeky answer why you're asking yeah. me though <laughs> I think maybe I suppose they were putting them in vases, but it seems like you know beautiful maidens walking in gardens picking flowers. Thinking of the brides carrying flowers on their wedding day yeah. because it stank. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe they had to collect flowers to you know yeah, fragrance, keep things, yeah, um, smelling fresh. Yeah. So they were picking flowers, I believe. I may be wrong. Um, they were picking something in there, and this winged creature comes and tries to grab the beautiful one and i think the maid servant she sacrifices herself <gasps> in some way oh. like so she ends up being grabbed i don't remember the scene very well it was an action scene but like <laughs> she ends up being grabbed and taken away so he takes her to his tower or wherever he lives really far off um and when he drops her he realizes she's not the beautiful one and he's not too pleased about this um so he decides that okay, well, he can't marry her, so what he's going to do is, um, it turns out he had, like, 13 women that he had already picked up, and they had already died. Like, so I think he marries them and kills them or something. He sucks but their life force okay, away from yeah. them, yeah. So then he, they were, but their spirits were still there. So they become, like, um, ghouls, don't yeah, they? Yeah, their spirits were still hanging around. And he told her that she had to look after them. So she becomes a maid <laughs> to these 13. <laughs> this, I don't know. These stories are making like they're sounding really 
Um, <laughs> she comes up. I'm maid. just gonna say I'm not surprised you wrote my sister. Yeah, like look at look <laughs> at what was going on. Um, so she. Um, so she's a maid and at some point she has to find a way to clothe these women and she does it. I can't remember. She sews because they're gold, so they couldn't wear normal clothing. Mm. She had to, I think she started sewing air. I don't remember. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> it was where she was sewing some, uh, something, something. <laughs> and anyway, so cut the long story short, eventually she's there for quite some time, I think months or something. And, or maybe yes, I don't really remember. She was there for some time, but the thing is that as she's growing, she blossoms and she becomes beautiful. Um, so unfortunately, the guy's like, okay, actually, I can marry you now. Um, so I won't spoil the mm-hmm. ending or whatever, but it was a story that kind of, I don't know what it is about me, but I feel uh, ab- uh, about it, but I feel like it's one of those books that I'll always kind of like use to remind myself why I want to write. Mm. Um, it's not. It's not like it's I I thought of it as a super deep story or anything, mm. but I've always been drawn to again. I guess it's the gothic and mm. the the, mis- the something about a fairy tale, the magic of it. Mm. Like th- I love that magic, you know, uh, ethereal kind of feel of that um, that world that Meredith created. I didn't even know it was a trilogy until recently, <laughs> so I'm gonna have to. <laughs> it's a bit embarrassing. I'm gonna have to look for the other two books yeah um but yeah i definitely loved that one and the song that i picked for it um was stand still by sabrina claudio gothic fairy tale i um wanted something that sounded gothic and um and did what i wanted it to do i wasn't sure what i wanted it to do but when i found this song i was like okay i think this is it so i'm just gonna read out the and it sounds like a really gothic song yeah it's, it has it's just gothic so and it's comforting as well <laughs> who would have thought gothic was so comforting do you know what like as i'm looking at this selection <laughs> i'm like clearly i like gothic i'm gonna actually look up for more gothic because clearly I, i'm into that um and i You're didn't welcome. really realize yeah thank <laughs> you thank you i didn't realize i was but um it's a really beautiful story that story um has heart the dark angel it really does and okay so time is being wasted screaming not listen i promise you'll heal me better you're so unaware about the feeling the same thing the same damn thing time is standing still and why are we still here i don't want to find i don't want to fight you i'm needing the same as you is this thing in english because it sounds (laughs) weird like i'm just (laughs) i mean it's in english obviously i read it in english but i was just like not listen i promise um do you know that's the um those lyrics are from genius and it says it's certified by the singer yeah it's 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 actual lyrics maybe i was you know listening to it i must have just been like (laughs) yeah i i know what she's saying um, but it said not listen, I promise you'll heal me better. Okay, well, we'll go with it. But it's <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was mostly I think that whole time is being wasted screaming and um time is standing still and why are we still here? I don't wanna fight you. And um there is definitely that in the book where it's like 
obviously there's this thing about time because she's there and she transforms in that time and not just on the outside she transforms um on the inside and even this creature as well changes mm. um and a relationship that's quite antagonistic antagonistic at the start also you know transforms um so yeah so i thought that was a good selection there was for also it. i mean so i was reading the blurb of the book and by the way you're getting me into gothic books now <laughs> no seriously i was listen. you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> listen i was reading it but you also didn't mention that um he needed a 14th wife yeah, yeah. to evolve to the next level. Yeah. That's <laughs> also next level in the game. Yeah. The next level in the video game. Yeah. To become like, yeah. he was um, like a, he was already a creature, but like to become like the, um, he was going to evolve into, into something like, worse. Like a like king. A, yeah. Of, yeah. So when I um, read about the book, mm-hmm. there was a direct correlation um, between the book and the Chronicles of Narnia, or something along, some a lot mm-hmm. of um, you know, was a reviewer that was uh, making that correlation between it, and um, so they were making like very strong um, relation between that and the Christian theme. Mm-hmm. This whole thing about redemption, mm-hmm. you know how, um, like I said, sacrificial love, mm-hmm. where a person puts themselves in in the front line mm-hmm. to fight an evil force. Yeah, um, I mean, until you said it, I hadn't seen the Christian. Like, I didn't, clearly I wasn't, (laughs) (laughs) they did not tell me to read it in literature, so in literature class, so clearly I wasn't reading it too deeply. But now I see it, there is a lot of, uh, there is, because she sacrifices herself twice, actually, Mm. in that book, and there is that theme of redemption and love, and I don't want to talk about the ending, but the ending, you know, it definitely puts what you're saying into um, place. Like, like I said, I didn't see it before, but... um, yeah, that I can definitely see what where they're drawing the connection, and I mean, most likely, maybe they even knew what her influences were. I don't know a lot about Meredith mm. and Pierce, so um, I just read it as a gothic fairy tale. But like, I can definitely see, you know, that yeah connection. I like that, I like that, because I mean, again, those themes were there. Like, I can't even uh, like, especially the redemption and the sacrificial love, they were definitely there. But that book. I don't know. You know, it's funny because I feel like that's it's not a book a lot of people might it may seem over the top for a lot of people. Um, but I don't know, like it's it was an easy read, it's engaging and um and just the journey of the girl and all of that and seeing what choices she was gonna make. But it's not it's it's a small book. It doesn't even oh, take good. yeah, it's not a it's not a very but like it's a book, like I said, I would read just to kind of be like, okay, this is what I'm into. This is what I mm. like to remind myself. Because I think sometimes, especially I'm experiencing that now as a writer, when other f- people's voices get involved and people are s- giving you criticism and saying you hear what the world wants or what the world expects, you can f- start to forget what you like and why you even started writing in the first place. And you're trying to meet other people's expectations and i think the dark angel is always going to be a book that kind of draws me back and says you know what it's okay to keep it simple and just have fun with it mm. that leads us on to the final, the final one because keep it simple reminds me of my sister the serial killer which is just a simple read yeah. and listen i can't tell you enough how much of a gift that book was to read you're looking for your phone right yeah <laughs> 
stand up and look around. It must be on this. There you go. Yeah. I can't tell you how much it was a joy to read. I mean, and also the fact that the 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 chapters were literally two pages. It's like two pages chapter. And so I told, I don't know, yeah. So my friend and I were met, we're talking about the book. And so she was talking about how the very shortness of the chapter added to the urgency of the narrative. So as you're finishing one, it's like, oh, on to the next one, on to mm. the next one, on to the next mm. one. Which, you know, so the book is like, it's not fast paced, but the way it's written gives it this illusion of being fast paced. Mm. And then when you finish reading the book, it then simmers. And then it start, you start processing it. I processed your book for about a week after reading it, you know, it just, it just is sat in my mind and it just is settled into me, but in a good way, because mm. I started seeing things quite differently, you know, um, this whole thing about, um, you know, beauty and yeah. the whole dating, people's motiva- motivations yeah. for dating. You, you always sort of explore that and question that and criticize men for being whatever, whatever, but the way it is depicted in the book it's quite interesting. Thank you. And that takes us on to the last question, which is the book you would recommend to people who loved My Sister the Serial Killer um, and they want to read something that's evocative of that. Okay, so uh, initially I was going to go with a crime novel, but then I don't really think of My Sister the Serial Killer <laughs> as a crime novel. So um, I know a lot of people liked Corridor's voice and her character. Um, maybe I lost character as well. So I thought Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine by Gail Honeyman was a good pick. Because when I read it, um, I fell in love with Eleanor and her quirkiness. <laughs> She's a super quirky character and her voice. And um, <laughs> the thing, Sarah's <laughs> laughing because she knows, just thinking about it, just thinking about Eleanor's crazy. Um, and I think like Eleanor... Um, what I really loved about it was that Eleanor would be in this situ- in this situation um, and she would be completely convinced that everyone else in the room was the problem. And as the reader and as an objective reader, <laughs> just <laughs> I don't even know like how to explain it. But as a reader, you kind of you're like, no, Eleanor, no. <laughs> Eleanor, you're the problem <laughs> in this situation. And she had such a self-righteous voice. Yes. Like, she was really self-righteous, which, again, I liken to Corridor, because Corridor can yeah. be a bit self-righteous. And But Eleanor is really self-righteous. But and also, the self-righteous is not... It's a very unaware yeah. self-righteousness. Yeah. Right? She has no sense of Reality. self-awareness. Yeah. yeah, she's just... She's, she's detaching reality. Of, yeah. Even her language. Yeah. Yeah, she's talking like she's from another... <laughs> from Jen Austen. Yeah, another era. But she carries herself... This thing, she's, she actually judges people, which was, I say, she's selfish. She judges people for things that are completely normal. And she's wondering, like, am I the only normal person here? And we're like, no, Eleanor. You're the only abnormal <laughs> person in this scenario. And you need to wake up to that. So I think um, if people re- read that, they wanted something with the... Cause Eleanor also has a different voice, I think. So with a different voice, quirky, fun, you'll definitely laugh mm. reading it. So if you want something where the narrator shocks you into laughter, I think it's fair to say Eleanor El- Oliphant is a fantastic choice. You know, yeah. it's weird like seeing an adult character so de- de- detached, detached from reality. From, yeah, it's yeah. weird. I th- the um, 
Yeah. So what is the recu- the current, what is the recurring theme in the book? What connects this book? And my, what connects- taking me to class? Why are you taking me to class? <laughs> like, I don't know what I did see. <laughs> uh. Well, you picked it. You said if people okay, like well, Eleanor I mean, the Oliphant. Recurring or, theme the Oliphant is completely in fine. the book. One recurring theme. I think it addresses mental health. Mm. Um, that's a recurring theme in it. Um, I think there's a th- there's a theme of relationship as well. Uh, familial relationship. Loneliness. How a very awkward relationship. Yeah. yeah. Loneliness, Loneliness is a key How you thing. can sort of be in the midst of people and still be completely uh, apart. Um, I don't know. You know it's w- what's weird for me and books is that like I have loads. I have books I love. But to remember them like is a real challenge for me. Um... But yeah, there's there's definitely that, um, and like I guess the one similarity between that book and my sister, the serial killer, is that there's this parental figure that damages the psyche mm. of the heroine. Um, so they definitely have that in common, and <clears throat> yeah, um, so the trauma mm. and how trauma can affect like a character, like a person, rather. Yeah. There was um so Gail Honeyman, the writer of Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine, mm-hmm. which the title is a lie, by the yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> the title just perfectly sums up the whole book and Eleanor's approach to life. But um so she when she was asked um what was her inspiration for writing the book, she said that the novel came from a character. A few years ago she read a newspaper article about loneliness. It included an interview with a young professional woman living in a big city who said that she'd often l- she would often leave work, leave work on Friday afternoon and not speak to another human being until she returned on Monday morning. And so when loneliness is discussed in the media, it is usually in the context of older people. So Gail was struck by this disparity in that. And so, I mean... When I was, and by the way, thank you for making me read. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. Did you pick with it? Oh yes. Um. So I picked. I wanted something that was quirky, um, because I don't think, um, it was difficult to kind of capture what the tone of <laughs> Eleanor Oliphant was, but I kind of wanted to go with something, um, up sort of up tempo and quirky. So I went with. I just discovered this, um. Um, artist the other day I saw her perform live in Lagos um, at an event and um, so I picked her song um, she didn't perform this song but I found the song um, it's called Out the Magazine by Lindsay Abude in your magazine about it being about loneliness and um and sort of like you know we've talked about how Ellen Oliphant didn't have this uh she didn't have a real idea of how you know people worked how life worked how interaction with people worked 
Um, she was very awkward in that, in terms of that. And um, the video, you guys should look for the video of this song as well. But the lyrics go as follows. Life is a journey, so you will see. It's okay to dream and be what you want to be. Yes, so don't be stuck too long in your magazine. The world is bigger than you ever thought it would be. So I think this is a good song to give to Eleanor herself. <laughs> to guide her <laughs> through life. Um, but I think she's doing better now. She is. Yeah. And if you could um, s- summarize My Sister the, the Serial Killer in two songs. Roses. <laughs> <laughs> by. Um, ooh, now I'm blanking. Outcast. Outcast. <laughs> Roses by Outcast because they uh, are talking about a babe who basically thinks that, um, who basically thinks she's the bee's knees and she knows she's beautiful, but they talk about how roses really smell. Yeah. Like um, I, I know you really think your ish don't stink. Yeah. <laughs> 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 roses is like, mm, mm, mm. yeah. yeah. Um, so roses don't smell as good as they think, or she thinks they smell. Um, and um, you know, there's actually this uh, thing about roses in the book as well, because mm. yes. I like gets roses a lot, and I think. I think the the song does her justice. <laughs> um, so the second song I would pick, this is tough. I think I would. Can I pick two? Do you? It, okay, okay. We okay. have okay. By the way, listeners, Oyinkan very kindly gave us a playlist. Yes. Like a whole playlist for my sister, the serial killer, and each chapter has a song to go with it so me asking her to distill it to just three i can yeah. see why it's difficult what two so struggle. she's gonna do three now so i'm gonna do three yeah. sorry guys um okay so loyalty um by kendrick lamar yes. featuring rihanna um because why not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's such a cool song but yeah basically because the whole book is kind of like you know about loyalty to some extent at least Corey day feels like it is um then um thank you next yeah. By Ariana Grande. In my mind, like, this is how I think, guys. In my mind, when she says thank you next, she has killed off the like. <laughs> she's moving <laughs> on to the next one. She killed the previous guy, and she's like thank you, and she's moving on. So, um, you know, I definitely yeah. So those are the three I would pick. Oh, thank you so so thank so much, Anyakam Braithwaite for. Thank you and oh seriously, guys, guys, people, we're not we're not gendering <laughs> our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> we're not gendering listeners. Listen, I don't hype books for the sake of it. I've read this book and oh, if you're looking for a book to lift you up, to make you laugh and you're laughing, you're like, mm, why am I laughing? But then you're still laughing because it's funny. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's what this book is about. It's so good. Check it out. And Oyinkan, I'm forever. Oyinkan. Did I do it again? Yeah, I mean. The hard K. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, <laughs> <laughs> it's not like there's an auntie that's really angry at me. I'm like, where? What did I do? <laughs> what what happened? Oh you got come here. I loved every moment spent recording this episode. Oh you can't breathe weight, it's a vibe. 
Her laughter is infectious and her sincerity is admirable. I highly recommend reading My Sister the Serial Killer. It is a fantastic light read with deep sociocultural underpinnings. Tune in to next week's episode with my very dear friend Lydia Levy Kakwera, whose piece That Idyllic Home was recently published in the most recent Writerism anthology titled Unbreakable Bonds. We discuss migrant literature and the art of maintaining a consistent reading habit. An extended playlist of sound featured in each episode are available in the show notes. Subscribe to the mailing list at booksandrhymes.com. The song you have just heard in the intro and outro is titled Dismembered by Mia Kuhn. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor and subscribe, rate and review Books and Rhymes on iTunes and your favorite podcast listening platforms. Tell your friends about the podcast and continue the conversations by following Books and Rhymes on Twitter and Instagram. Until then, see you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.